Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Enjoy. Going to war with a winning mindset, and I'm going to talk on this subject, when oxen rally. When oxen rally, all right? So we're going to go Psalms 92 today, Psalms 92 and 10. And uh, David says it like this, but you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. Isn't that awesome? Now we're going to move over to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're just going to set a precedent today. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. It's going to be on the screen behind me. And the Bible says this, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams. Someone say 12. 12. It's going to be important here. I want you to hang on to that number. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I want to talk about when oxen rally today, when oxen rally. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing presence that's in this room. And God, today I'm asking that you would absolutely open our minds and our hearts to receive. And may, may what is spoken in this room, what is experienced in this place today, may it literally enlarge our territory, build on our foundation. May it be implanted into our minds that you have called us to win and not to lose, that you have called us to be the head and not the tail, that today we have a victory awaiting for us because of your great victory. Today, Father, I thank you for what is about to happen, and I pray the blessing of God on it. May we leave this room changed, challenged, and empowered in Jesus' name. Someone shout amen. Someone said, I believe it. I receive it do it, Jesus. Uh, I find it interesting that um, the Bible talks, and, and, and I think that, I think a lot of us put a lot of stock in the fact of peace. We want peace, right? Anybody want peace? I want peace. I want, I want peace. The Bible says we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, there, we, we want peace. We want peace in our homes. We want peace in our marriages. We want peace on the job. We want peace in our nation. We want peace in the world, right? I mean, I think that's that's where we want. In fact, the Bible says that at the at the at the very end, there's going to be people that are that are that are screaming out, crying out for the peace of God. However. <laughs> Ecclesiastes says it like this, that there is a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. The reality is this morning that as much as we want peace, sometimes we have to war for it. And the Bible says that there is a time for peace, but there's also a time for for war. And I feel like we have stepped into an arena of war. Anybody anybody feel that just in the last like couple years? I feel like there's just been an urgency about the church not not to sit in a a fake faux peace. 
And when I talk about a fake faux peace, what I'm talking about is a, is a longing, a hopeful, a, a, a fairy tale kind of dream that everything's going to be all right as long as I don't pay attention to it. You heard the analogy out of sight, out of mind? Yet the Bible doesn't tell us to put things out of sight or out of mind. It tells us to watch and pray. And if I read correctly, prayer has a power in spiritual warfare. That worship is in the warfare arena of the spirit. There's peace that comes with that, but there's a fight that you have to go through in order to receive that. Is that all right today? There is a time for peace, but there's also a time for war. And I think that, that as Christians, we have put things out of sight and out of mind so that we can live in a fake, faux, peaceful state. And God is calling this church to awaken, to arise, to fight for the gospel that he has so preciously given us. I think that the church needs to fight for the cause of the cross or the cross becomes of no effect. The cross was a battle. It was heaven and hell battling on that cross. Heaven, heaven will always triumph over hell. Light will always defeat darkness. There is no question about it. And I want to get into us today a winning mindset that when you go to war, you go to war as a winner. I'm going to bring back up our text from last week because there's, there's just so much to unpack with this. But Deuteronomy 20 and, and one says this, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and a greater, an army greater than your own. And I, I want to pause right there and show you, he says, there's going to be situations that you feel outnumbered in. There's going to be moments that you feel like there's something greater against you. Is there anybody in the house that would say, yes, I, I have felt that. I have felt like there's been things that are greater than me. He says, do not be afraid. That's, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. But he gives some ingredients of how not to be afraid. It starts with the mind. And he says, the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you prepare for battle, there's a preparation here. And I think so many times we get caught off on, on our heels fighting a battle that we didn't prepare for because we've lived in a faux, fake, peaceful reality of if I don't see it, it's not happening. And God's like, I want you to open your eyes. I want you to open your ears. I want you to take a look around at what's going on, and you need to learn how to prepare for the battle that's ahead of you. And he says this, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. That's what I'm doing today. He will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated? If so, you may go home. You might be killed in the battle and someone else would dedicate your house. He said, has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten of its fruit? If so, you may go home. You might die in battle and someone else would eat the first fruit. Has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet married to her? Well... You may go home and get married. You might die in the battle and someone else would marry her. 
Then the officers will also say, is anyone here afraid or worried? If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. And it's interesting that that he says, hey, you've got a battle that's ahead of you. you you've got some, some struggles, and there's going to be some things that you feel outnumbered in. There's going to be, be some, some opposition that you feel is just greater than the army that, that you have. But don't be afraid because there's individuals that are going with you, and God is going with you to fight this battle with you. And, and he says the requirements for war is not about the skill but it's about the mindset. It's not about how they can wield the sword. It's not how they can, how they can handle the shield. It's not how they can march in order. He says, he says it's not about the, 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 the skill set as much as it is about the mindset. He says the mindset is amazing. And, and last week, I, I mean, we had people shouting, I'm not a donkey in church. That was awesome. That was so amazing. Because Deuteronomy says that when you, when you go out, don't, don't harness a donkey and an ox together. Because when the ox and the donkey are, are, are unequally yoked together, he says, he says it, it causes an imbalance. It causes a, a misconception. The donkey will, will be stubborn and stop while the oxen keep plowing. The, the donkey ingests toxic things and breathes out things and causes the oxen to be paralyzed where it stands, right? That's, that's where we were last week, that, that, that sometimes there's individuals that you get connected to that are just straight-up donkeys, and so we were shouting, don't be a donkey. And then, then the Holy Spirit dropped this into me this week. And he said, there's, there's, there's some things that, wow, we don't want to be connected to donkeys. There's some thoughts that are actually donkeys within here, within here, that we have yoked up the promise of God with the doubting of the devil. And there are some thoughts in here, there's some emotions in here that we have misaligned and we've actually yoked up and we've, we've got a, a misconception and there's sometimes that doubt will cause us to stop while faith is trying to tell us to move forward. And sometimes we come to church and we get all fired up and then we go face Monday Life happens, and so suddenly it becomes an imbalance. Am I talking to anybody here this morning that sometimes in church you're like, I can conquer the world, and then you wake up Monday and go, where was that fire I had yesterday? And now all of a sudden I'm facing an army that's greater than my own. I want to help you move and march with authority to be yoked up correctly with other oxen to move forward today, to move forward. In fact, James, James said it like this, an, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man, a man and a woman who, who think two different things. I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of, of people talking out of both sides of their mouth in this world. It's an, it's an unstable culture. It's an unstable climate because we've got a lot of double-minded men and women. The church was never created to be double-minded. I find that after Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells the disciples to wait in the upper room, and it was only when they were in one mind, one mind, 
one thought, one intent, one in purpose, one in mission that the Holy Spirit was just ushered in and blew in like a mighty rushing wind. It was when they were in one mind. The church is called to be in one mind, to be yoked together in this fight for faith, for the gospel. We've got a mission ahead of us to go into dark places and shine a bright light. We've got a mission to reach the unchurched, the, the ones that haven't found Jesus yet, the ones that haven't been able, able to find him. And the reason why that, that there's been kind of this, 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 this hunger and this drive that is, that is pushing the church forward is because the church has been unequally yoked for too long. Our methods need to stay in the book. Our, our preaching needs to stay in the book. Our worship needs to stay in the book. We, we need to get back to what Jesus said, and, and that's loving our enemies and doing good to those who persecute us and, and reaching out. The, the, the world doesn't want an unstable church. It wants an unshakable church. The lost is not looking for an unstable individual. They see unstable everywhere. They want somebody that is yoked up, ready to go to war, ready to fight for what they believe in, ready to stand on truth, fight for morality, fight for purpose, fight for mission. And the reality is, church, this morning is that you are in a war for your family right now. You are in a war for your marriage. You are in a war at your job. You are in a war for your children. We are in a war for the next generation. And what the next generation experiences, it rides on our shoulders. I'm thankful today that I've got men and women that I can stand on their shoulders going forward because of the generation that they left us. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for Don and Inez who have plowed ahead and made a way for guys like me to be able to stand and continue to preach after they've used years of service. I'm thankful for folks like my grandparents who have served God faithfully their whole life. Why? Because they're plowing ahead so another generation can stand on their shoulders and say we're going to be yoked up together. I don't want to be yoked with a donkey. I want to be yoked with an ox. I want to be yoked with an ox this morning because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And Deuteronomy says, when you prepare for battle, make sure you don't have it unstable. And there was two mindsets that, that Deuteronomy shows us. And one mindset is that there was individuals that was distracted by the good. All the good things in their life. They were getting married. That's a good thing. Whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. Men, that was your cue. I'm trying to help you out. Cherish her above rubies and read her the Song of Solomon. It's, it's Bible, folks. Just love her. He said if they've had, they have a house, they planted vineyards. These are good things. Could it be that we've been distracted by the good that we have forgotten to go to war? I don't know about you, but I still live in a blessed nation. I, I, still, have, I still have more wealth than the majority of the world, even with my small things that I panic every month about. I got a, I got a great wife. Uh, we've been able to plant things and do things and we've seen it grow. 
but there was a mindset of distraction because of the good that had happened that said, you're not ready for war, go home. But then the other side was that there was individuals that were so afraid that they could not go to war. There was two mindsets, the mindset of being distracted by good and the mindset of being afraid of what is to come. They had a mindset of all this is good and they're so distracted by, 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 by making wealth. They're so distracted by making a career. They're so distracted by pursuing uh, their opportunities that they forget to go to war. And then there's others that are isolating themselves, closing themselves in because they're too afraid to even step out and fight the war that they're supposed to be a part of. And number one is this today. When I leave the fight, I leave the team alone. When I leave the fight, I leave the team to fight alone. <sighs> Both of these mindsets, this mindset of distracted by the good and afraid of the bad to come, is it, both of them cause them to be double-minded. We have a war ahead of us, but yet there's things at home. And, and, and so Deuteronomy is like, go home. Go home. Last week, we, we rallied together. We're like, we're not going home. We're going to war. I'm not, I'm not turning around. I'm not tucking tail and running. And, and both of these mindsets, whether they're distracted by the good or they're so afraid of the bad, it causes them to leave the team to fight alone. And when I leave the fight, I leave the team to fight alone. And I'm a, I was a basketball guy play some football, play some basketball. But in basketball, when we had, when we had a, an opponent that was, was really outranked, that was better than us, there was, there was a, a, a defensive maneuver called isolation. You can't make this stuff up. This is good. And isolation was this, that the team, that we know that the team can, can outscore us, but they usually had one of their star players, right? I mean, they, they just had that guy that they just re re relied on to make the big shots, and, 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 and they were crossing you over, and they were doing all kinds of things. And there was a defensive move that said, we want to get them into isolation. So what you do is the rest of the defense moves the rest of the players away, and they isolate the single because they know that on one-on-one, -on -one, he's not as good. And the enemy wants to isolate because he knows one-on-one, -on -one, you feel, take my words in, in, in stride today, you feel outnumbered. You're not outnumbered but you feel outnumbered because he knows that when you are by yourself with the mind that you have inside that you are constantly just going over and over you know the donkey that you've linked up with in your mind that that negative thought of doubt that negative thought of of condemnation that negative thought of defeat that negative thought that says you're not good enough that negative thought that says you can't make it that thought that thought is really what the devil's doing as a defensive move because he knows when he can get you by yourself he's getting you away from the team and when you're alone you don't feel as strong as when you're together and the lie the lie about the battle that you're in right now is this that no one else needs to know what you're fighting the lie that the enemy wants to get you in isolation is that no one else can help you fight the battle that you're fighting 
No one else knows the struggle you're in. No one else has experienced this. You're by yourself. You're alone. And so you end up fighting battles in here by yourself. Am I talking to anybody real today that wants to say, yeah, there's been some battles I have fought by myself. And the battles that we'll fight by ourselves often in isolation are, are inferiority. We'll fight the battle of temptation by ourselves. We'll, we'll fight the battle of rejection by ourselves. We'll, we'll fight the battle of discouragement by ourselves. And in fact, we will fight demonic attack by ourselves. Because somehow the enemy has convinced the church that if you have a battle, then you're doing something wrong. That if you're in a battle, you're sinning. That if you're tempted, you are a sinner and God does not love you and the church doesn't need to know. Somehow the enemy has convinced the people of God that if you're in a battle, you're doing something wrong. And the reality is if you're in a battle, it's because the enemy knows your worth, he knows your value, he knows your potential, and he knows that you have power beyond himself. He knows that when he gets on the court with you, that you already have outnumbered him. So he wants to deceive you to fight the battle by yourself. The greatest thing you could do is link arms with another ox and say, I'm struggling right now. I need some help right now. I, I don't know if I can do this right now. You don't have to fight alone. So stop going home when the battle is to be fought ahead of you. I find it was, it was David the mighty man of war decided one day, I don't need to go to battle today. So he ventured out on top of a roof and he saw Bathsheba and he said, I'm going to make her my wife and I'm going to kill her husband. And the Bible says that the death of their son was on David's head because of what he did, because he should have been at war and he decided to stay home. Can I help you today? You feel like staying home is actually going to save you when actually it's the war that's going to save you. The war's going to save you. The war's going to prevent the disaster. The war's going to keep you. The war's going to save you. You need to understand you need the team as much as the team needs you. You need the church as much as the church needs you. You're not an island. You're not a single ox. You're not by yourself. God's anointed us to be oxen that are plowing this field for the kingdom. And we cannot allow ourselves to be isolated. In fact, I did some research on some ox this week. And they said, uh, they said that, that a lot of people have discredited them because of the, the technology that we have and, and, and the farm equipment. But they said they still use ox to plow the fields. Because they're reliable. And the, 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 the research that I did said this, that these powerful beasts, I love that, just powerful beasts. <laughs> I'm in the Northwest, so I, I think I can say, like, the church needs to get in beast mode. These powerful beasts can outpull a big team of horses. In fact, while a team of oxen can pull its own body weight at a walking pace for a short burst of six to eight feet, a well-yoked team of oxen can pull up to two times their body weight or as much as 12,000 to 13,000 pounds. By them, by themselves. They can, they can do things. 
if they're if they're un, if they're unequally yoked, they can still pull. But a well-yoked oxen team can pull two times their body weight because when they go together, they're more effective than they are by themselves. We're better together when we're properly yoked. We're stable in our mind. In fact, Jesus says it like this in, in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What he's saying is this. It's not about how much weight you're carrying. It's about how you're carrying the weight. Because there's a lot of weight that we can carry on our shoulders. And you're trying to carry it by yourself. You're trying to balance a home life. Moms, you're trying to be the best mom that you can be. And you feel like you fail every single day. You're trying to be the best spouse for, for your, for your other significant other. You're trying to make sure. And, and, and men, there, there's those moments that you feel the weight of trying to make provisions for your family and your home. And you're trying to make big decisions. And, and both of you are, are, are trying to go to war for your family. And then your marriage is kind of just thrown into the mix. I want to help our couples today. Let's start working on our marriages because together you're going to be better for your kids. Together you're going to be better for your family. When you guys are on the same page, together you're going to be better. Church, we are better when our couples are better. We're better when our families are better. We're better when our homes are healthy. We're better when we're properly yoked. So it's not about what weight you're carrying. It's about how you're carrying that weight. And if you're carrying it by yourself, you're going to collapse under the weight of the pressure of being alone. And God has sent me today to preach to our church that you're not alone. It's time to get yoked with somebody else. Number two this morning is this. When I can't see it, I need people around me who can when I can't see victory, when I can't see provision, when I can't see healing, when I can't see hope, I need people around me who can see it. In fact, in a team of oxen, literally it's this. There is one that's on the offset, and then there's one that is, on, that is right there in, in, in front of, of the, the guy that's, that's plowing with them. And, and so one of them, literally the offset, the one that's, that's on this is, is the, the brawn. The other one is the brains. So they will choose one that is smart and one that has a lot of strength because he knows that their differences actually make the plowing easier. And we have been caught up in wars that don't matter because of differences that don't matter. And he says, if you're going to be yoked up, there's going to be some that are stronger. Thank God, there's others that are smarter. 
And he's like, that's how you link this. That's how you yoke this. That's how you get together. Because when I can't see it, I need someone else around me who can see it. I don't know if about you, but I've had moments where people have come to me and they've given me a prophetic word that has just lit my life on fire. And I knew that it was from God. I've had people send me a text. Hey, I'm just praying for you. And I'm like, oh man, that just did something to me because I couldn't see it, but somebody else did. I'm thankful for every word that said you have been anointed. You've been called by God because there's been times I've wanted to give up. There's been times that the weight and the pressure has been enough to wreck my life. I'll never forget when we, when we looked to purchase this property, I had a donkey come to me and say, he said, he said, is this really where you want to set up, set up your kingdom? And I looked at him, I said, no, but this is where God wants a church. And I sent the donkey home and I went to war because it's not, it's not, I refuse to be yoked with donkeys when God has given me oxen to plow the field for the kingdom's sake, to see people reached. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you this morning, you need people around you that can see the potential in you. Don't get to the place where you're like, oh, shucks, I don't need that. Don't get to the place where you just, you just push them off. I don't believe that about myself. Folks, receive the word that is given to you. If someone says you are powerful, if someone says you're anointed, if someone says you're gifted, if someone says you're talented, if someone says you're, you're, you're used in the kingdom, if someone says you've blessed them, hey, folks, why don't we open up our hearts and say, I receive that today. I refuse to listen to the isolation of the enemy, and today I want to be yoked. I'm greater when I'm yoked with you. In fact, it was, it was a battle that Abraham suddenly got involved in. He found that the, the, the kings began to, to come in and, and take over Lot's family in the valley. And they began to war and fight, and they, they took Lot, and they took the family, and, and they began to run away with them. And, and Abraham there in, in, in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham, Abraham is then notified that all this has happened. And Abraham's like, we got to go to war. That's my family. That's my people. That's who, that's who we do life with. That, that's, that's who we go together with. That, I, I don't want to go where God wants us to go without them. So Abraham's like, I can't fight them alone. And so Abraham rallied 318 men to go help fight the battle. And they ran in, ran them over, got their family and walked out victorious because Abraham knew he couldn't do this alone. He needed backup. He needs somebody to march in the corner and say, we're going to go to war together. We'll fight with you. We'll fight for you. We'll, we'll go to battle with you because we know that if there is, if there is a group of us, we can make an impact and a difference. Ecclesiastes says it like this in, in 4 and verse 12. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I want to know the question. I want you to answer this question in your mind today. Who's got your back? And whose back do you have? Because when you stand back to back, you can go undefeated. When you stand back to back, you're going to win. When you've got a, a group of three or more. I think, I think the Bible says, I, Don, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Bible says this, that 
that were two or three are gathered together in my name. I am in the midst of them. When I'm yoked with you, God is present in the fight. This is an undefeated battle. You don't have to walk into it by yourself. When I stand alone, I'm defeated. But when I stand together, I've got God on my side. I've got you on my side. And we're warring together. Come on, will you give him some praise for it? Who's got your back? Who's got your back? Gideon. Gideon is, is approaching, approaching the armies and, 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 and he feels outnumbered already because he's the lowest in his clan and he's hiding behind uh, wine presses and, he, and an angel appears to him and Gideon's like, who, me? And I'm me. And so God, God begins to do all these amazing things to him. They tear down idols and, and everybody's like, ooh, we're fighting for him. And, and Gideon gets out and gets ready to fight and then God's like, no, 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 we gotta, we got to reduce the donkeys. I'm going to send a lot of them away. And Gideon's like, yeah, it's like, it's like two to five now. This is tough. And the Lord's like, now I want you to go down to the water, and I'm going to do another test. And those, and those that, that, that drink and just go in it for themselves and lap it up, just go in, just go nuts, send them home. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. There's only 300 of us left. Now it's, now it's like... 1 to 15. <laughs> 1 to 20. I, I, how are we going to do? We're outnumbered. And God's like, I already gave you the battle. And he says, I want you to go listen to what the enemy's talking about. So Gideon sneaks with his best bud, and they go down, and they hide out behind a tent. And all of a sudden, there's two guys sitting there from the enemy camp talking. He's like, hey, man, I had a crazy dream last night. He's like, what's the dream about? He's like, He's like, this boulder just came down and crushed our entire camp and killed us. And the other guy, you ever had those people that just like try to interpret your dreams right away? And this other guy's like, whoa, that's Gideon's army. They're going to crush us. And Gideon's like, I got 300 people. But God put fear in the enemy before he first showed up. God had already worked a victory before they ever... All Gideon needed to do was rally the troops to fight a battle. And so he split them up and they surrounded it with a bunch of clay pots and a lantern. And they blew a trumpet and they shouted a rally cry for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And God did the rest. And God did the rest. God did the rest. God took care because when they were together, even when they felt outnumbered, God was in the midst of them and God was fighting for them. They were not alone. They were going together. So if you feel outnumbered, if you feel like there, there is a pattern with God that shows that His people have felt outnumbered, outmatched, and oftentimes beaten before they ever get into it. But yet God's track record is that they win every time. David defeats Goliath every time. Gideon defeats Midian every time. Abraham defeats the kings of the valley every time. The cross defeats hell every time. The church, the church can prevail prevail 
not the gates of hell. Because the church can march in there and win a battle even when it feels outmatched and outnumbered. Because when oxen rally together, you're not losing this fight. You're going forward and you're winning it. You may feel outnumbered. And I came to give you a word this morning. Don't give up. I don't know who it is online or in this room. God has sent me to tell you, don't give up now. Don't turn in. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up because you might be on the best version of yourself. If I had given up, I watched as we had something like 60 people in this room for our team night the other night. I, tears, tears were on, my, on the verge of my eyes every time I looked around the room because when we started, we didn't start that way. And if I had given up when I felt like giving up, it wouldn't have been the way it is now. And I'm thanking God now that I didn't give up, but I got yoked with another ox. And I've realized that God's wars are seldom ever the problem. It's my mindset about the war that's the problem. God will lead you into wars, but it's your mindset about the war. Watch this. Isaiah 54 says this. Isaiah 54 says, If any nation comes to fight you, it is not because I sent them. Whoever attacks you will go down in defeat. I have created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. God said, I created that guy. The one that's creating mass destruction, I created it. I designed him. And I have created the armies that destroy God. Why? Have you ever wondered why God created snakes and spiders? Like, I have, I have a problem here, God. God, why the donkey? But he says, but in that coming day, in that coming day, when you are prepared for the battle, no weapon turned against you will succeed. In fact, you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These are the benefits enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I got to looking. And the Bible says that there is, a, there is an understanding of what oxen are. And oxen in the Bible are always related to being servants. Because they serve for a purpose. And I read Isaiah that says, these are the benefits of those who are servants of the Lord that no weapon formed against you. It will be formed. It will try to destroy. It will wreak havoc. You will feel outnumbered. You will feel like things are against you. And God's like, I designed the individual. I designed that thing. But it's not going to destroy you. That no weapon formed against you will ever succeed. And these are the blessings of those who are servants servants, those that are oxen, those that are plowing, those that are yoked together. This is the blessing of the Lord that you will be victorious. You'll be victorious. You'll be victorious. I, uh, some of you are wondering if we were ever going to get to this. Here we go. Pass these out today because <laughs> Don, do you remember the days where we had hankies? Thank hankies right there. We had hankies, man. Church would get church would get a little wild. Get that hanky. 
Uh, uh, I got to I got to thinking we're we're entering into a, a, a kind of a fun time with sports. I, I love sports and and, and uh, I get I get I get a little pumped up about it and I come out of my chair from time to time and I'm screaming and yelling at refs and that's who I am. I just a little get a little crazy. My wife's like, shut up. Um, but I noticed something about a towel in sports. Many times when they walk off the field, they give them a towel and they're wiping their face and, and they're trying to figure out, man, I just got, I just got whooped out there. And they're, they're using the towel. Uh, in, in boxing, if they're done, they throw in the towel. In, in war, they raise the white flag. They surrender. They're done. Um, we've, we've entered at a day and age where, where Russ, you'd appreciate this. They, they get to the place where they feel so defeated uh, and they, they, they go into pout mode and they do this. And they just sit there like that, like, like are you three? Are, how old are you? Because you're making millions and don't get me started. I can't even, I'm not going to take the towel off while I'm talking about this. And they sit there and they pout with their towel over their head and, oh, we're going to lose and we're going to do this. But then I noticed something else. We are in the Northwest. And there's a team on the west side named the Seattle Seahawks. Thanks, Chris. And they've got something called the, the, the 12th man. You know what this means? That now the fans are actually, because there's 11 players on the football field. But they said that the fans actually have such an impact that they are like another man on the field. And they say they're the 12th man. And what happens in playoffs and in big games, suddenly the crowd comes alive because they can see things that others can't. They're believing in their team when their team doesn't believe in themselves. They feel like they can't, the team can't make it, but the crowd's like, we know because we've seen your record. We've seen how you've won. We've seen how you've done it in, in, in games before. We know that you have the strength within you. And so suddenly now, the towel that the team has put over their face in defeat suddenly becomes a rally towel. And you'll watch the arena just start coming alive. And they begin to rally together and they're swinging it and they're rallying. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room like the 12 oxen that Elisha was plowing with as Elijah came by and said this is my servant the 12th oxen was on assignment that day it was his turn rally the other oxen I wonder is there a church full of individuals that will rally for the cause that will stand to their feet and say this is worth rallying for I'm not going home I'm going to war Come on, will you give God just some praise for it this morning? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. There's some people we need to rally behind today. 
The people that are sick, we need to rally behind. The people that feel defeated, we need to rally behind. People that need hope, we need to rally behind. People that need salvation, we need to rally behind. People in darkness, we need to rally behind. People that are lost, we need to rally behind. People that are forgotten, we need to rally behind. We need to rally behind our fellow Christian, our fellow man, our fellow girls. We need to celebrate and rally behind because their life matters. And with them, we will win. In this war. Woo! Can we give him some praise for it? Because when oxen rally, the field gets plowed. The lights are turned on. When oxen rally, the fight is already fixed. When oxen rally, we win. We win. We win. We win. Somebody needs to get in their spirit. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're not the tail. You're the head. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.